What are some of the best goals of this past season for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I'll have my answer on that coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eloso Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Happy Friday to everyone out there. We've already made it to the end of July. Soon enough, it's going to be August. Then it'll be September. Training camp will roll around and then the season will start right back up in October. This is going to fly by, but still. Have a couple, two and a half, two and a half to three months until the season starts. But I figured we could still go back to this past season, even though I know the Penguins missed the playoffs. But we got to look at some of the top goals of this past season because there were still quite a few of really good goals that the Penguins scored in 2022-2023. I'm honestly going to start this as kind of like a mini series, which I'll continue probably next week and the week after. Today I'm going to give you five to seven of what I think are the best goals of the season for the Penguins, and then I'll continue that again, as I just said, next week and the week after. My On my number one for the best goal of this past season was Evgeny Malkin's goal in late March, March 25th against the Washington Capitals, where he stole the puck from Anthony Mantha at the red line center ice and fired the puck stick side past Darcy Kemper to give the Penguins a dramatic 4-3 win with one minute left in regulation. That game had everything. So many twists and turns. It started out a little slow. Penguins go then go up one nothing. 2-0 and then 3-0. They take that three-goal lead. Well, actually, no, they take the two-goal lead into the third period. They then score a goal in the third to make it 3-0. You think it's over. Casey DeSmith playing out of his mind. And then in typical Penguins fashion for this past season, 3-1, 3-2, and then 3-3 with only a few minutes left. And we're like, oh, here we go again. This is going to be another catastrophic loss. Nope. Evgeny Malkin steals the puck. Fires it past Kemper, has a celebration for the ages. PBG Paints Arena goes absolutely wild. I was in the building for that game. That felt like a playoff atmosphere, especially in late March when you know the playoffs are right around the corner. There was a ton of Capitals fans there, and they were obviously so upset walking out because the Penguins had basically just ended their season. Think about it. Going into that game, the Penguins were only four points up on the Capitals. Had they lost that in regulation, or just even lost in overtime, they would have only been two to three points up on the Caps, even though the Caps had a game in hand at the time. But with the regulation win, the Penguins were able to effectively eliminate the Caps from a late season surge. They were six points back and the Penguins had a game in hand. But what a goal and what a moment for the Penguins that season. That was when I was like, okay, there's no way they were missing playoffs. And then we obviously saw what happened with the Chicago Blackhawks. But I think to me, that's the goal of the season when I look back at it. Another one that really is high on my list was Jake Gensel's overtime winner against the Anaheim Ducks earlier this year. Trevor Zegras, if you remember, came in on a breakaway, 
looked like he was going to have the goalie beat, decided to pass to the other end of the ice. I don't know why he was doing that. And that sprung Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel going back the other way. Crosby to Jake. Jake finishes it past John Gibson, who had a very good game. He, he was on his A game. And that one putting on a show in his hometown. And remember, the Penguins were potentially going to lose that game in regulation. They tied that game with less than 30 seconds to go in the third period. Talk about devastating losses. And the Penguins had a ton of them this past season. That one would have been very high on the list. The Penguins played like utter crap in that game, tied it late in the third, and were able to win it after Trevor Zegers made a very dumb play in overtime. But that's one of the goals of the year, if you ask me. Number three, Crosby's wicked backhander against the Colorado Avalanche in late March. He comes in one-on-two against the Avalanche. I was at the Steel Panther show that night. If you all been listening for the last three months, I was not able to go to that game, and everyone kept making jokes about it, say, oh, you can't watch any more games just because I was at the concert, and I brought my the shirt back and all this stuff. is a whole funny thing. But Crosby comes in one-on-two. Looks like he's going to go inside, fakes that, goes outside, absolutely rolls Sam Girard. He made him look like a peewee hockey player and then backhands that one far side past Alexander Georgiev, showed off why he has the best backhand in the sport. It was a vintage Crosby goal, one that really got things going for the Penguins in that game against the Avalanche. That was a game that no one really thought the Penguins were going to win. Myself included, the Penguins had a back-to-back against Colorado and Dallas that week, if you remember. But the Penguins were able to put up, I think, one of, if not their finest performance of the season. And then they followed that game up with another really good performance against the Stars. They just couldn't bring, bring home a result. They couldn't even get it to overtime. They were close towards the end, and I thought the Penguins played really well in that game. But that one against the Avalanche, Sid set the tone. What a goal from him, one of the best of this season. And now continue with Sidney Crosby for number four, his crazy backhand later on in the season. This came in April, right, as the Penguins were almost in control of their own destiny. This was the game that Crosby got his 1,500th point, and the Penguins were up one nothing at this point late in the first period after Alex Nylander's goal to open it. And... Crosby steals the puck from Jake Wallman deep in the Red Wings defensive zone and corrals the puck and goes backhand top cheese on Billy Huso. Again, showing off why he has the best backhand in this war. I will never take those kind of goals for granted. I, I just won't. There's going to be a time when all of you are not seeing this on your televisions or hearing it on the radio or especially seeing it in person. And it's coming sooner than you think cherish these kind of goals because they're not going to be around for much longer. I just, I love that backhand that he has. After that, I have Gino's incredible shootout goal against the Calgary Flames. This came right after his 1000th game against the Chicago Blackhawks in November. This was a very tight game against the Flames at home right before Thanksgiving, I believe. 1-1 game going into a shootout. I didn't think the Penguins played that well in the third period, I think they kind of slogged to overtime, got a late power play where it wasn't they weren't able to score. And then the shootout comes. Jari has a chance to make the game-winning save, does not. Penguins don't win it, but then Jari makes the save on 
I believe it was Mikhail Backlund or Michael Backlund, I should say. And Sullivan sends Gino out, does a little bit of a deke, then goes backhand top cheese, throws his stick into the crowd. He has his moment and he brought the house down PPG Paints Arena. That was absolutely incredible. I think one of the best goals of the season. A couple other ones before we head to break. Chris Letang's overtime winner against the Florida Panthers at 7-6. Crazy game that I was also in attendance for this season. Back and forth affair. No goaltending whatsoever between Alex Lyon and Casey DeSmith. They were well below 800. It looked like DeSmith couldn't even move when he was allowing goals whenever it was. First, second, or third period. Heck, the Penguins had the lead late in the third period, and they squandered it before Letang won it in overtime. That was a tremendous goal. And then... Sidney Crosby's winner against the Blue Jackets late in the season after they came back from four goals down to win that one. The Penguins really had nothing going after that first period. Honestly, they didn't really play that well in the second, but they woke up in a big way in the third, and Sid was able to rocket that one from the right half wall to win it 5-4 in overtime. So those are 5-7, to seven, I think, of the best goals of the season. Let me know what your best goals of this past season were for the Penguins. Let me know down in the comments. You can also send me a DM on social media if you want. I'll have more on that little mini series next week and the week after, most likely, but wanted to start the show off with a pretty fun topic for Friday. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to go into some small details regarding the Eric Carlson pursuit from Rob Rossi's article from The Athletic. There wasn't too much new news in there, but I do want us to discuss a couple of things that really haven't been reported by much others that were in there. But before we dive into that, we have to discuss FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first spend amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll win $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run in the game. And it's all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid Instantly, there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and Locked On. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So as I teased heading into the second segment, there wasn't a lot of new news in that Rossi updated article on the Penguins pursuit for Eric Carlson, but there were a couple of things that I wanted to discuss on the show that I don't think a lot of people out there have been reporting. Number one, he did say that Crosby and Latang have endorsed acquiring Carlson. That's not surprising. I don't think two-thirds of the you know franchise player group here, obviously I'll include Evgeny Malkin, those three are franchise players. They're not just going to be like, oh yeah, don't go out and get Eric Carlson who just had 100 points this past season and who won the Norris Trophy. Yeah, don't go out and get someone who can really help us offensively. They're not going to say that, people. Sidney Crosby has a lot of respect for him. Chris Tang, I don't think he's going to get mad, per se, if Carlson does come in and maybe takes a spot on the top power play. He's in his mid-30s now. Maybe if he was in his mid-20s, mid to late 20s, I should say, he'd maybe throw a little bit of a fit. But right now, after all the rings that he's won throughout his career, 
He's still going to get the top minutes and the top assignments. If Carlson just takes those power play minutes, that's going to be fine. But yes, of course, the franchise players are going to endorse Kyle Dubas and company going out and getting another generational talent to try and get this team back to being a Stanley Cup contender this upcoming season. They're, they're not just going to say no to that. That's a little ridiculous. And he does also say that they're working on several scenarios to fit Carlson in. One involves straight-up deal with the Sharks. Another involves a third team with cap space. And that's where Jeff Petrie comes in because Rob reports that Petrie is not open to playing as far as way as San Jose, which is one reason the Penguins have sought to include a third team in any Carlson deal. I've been using that kind of talk as speculation on my show. I'm glad now that it is being reported by a full-time Penguins reporter. Petrie's family is from Michigan. I don't think he's going to, you know, and obviously it's been confirmed now. Why would he want to go out and play for a San Jose Sharks team that is obviously A, rebuilding, and B, way far away from where his family is from? So if Petrie is included in this deal, if it even happens, he's going to have to go to another team, whether maybe he goes to his hometown team in Detroit where his family is. Maybe Steve Eisenman, you can give him a call. Maybe Chicago, if they want to take on another contract. They're, they still have plenty of cap space. It's not that, honestly not that far. It's still Midwest City. I think maybe even a team like, I don't know, I've thrown this around. Nashville, that's not way out west. It's you know down south a little bit, obviously, in Tennessee. But hey, maybe that could work. I'm just spitballing with teams right now. But it makes sense that he wouldn't want to play in San Jose because they're rebuilding and they're not going to be good. And because the Sharks, in you know, the city, of course, is far away from where his family is. So I've been speculating about that, but that's good to see it reported by a Penguins reporter. And then another thing that I found interesting as well that I have discussed on the show before, Rob reports that the Sharks have been interested in Marcus Pedersen as part of a deal. However, Dubas has resisted including Pedersen in any offers. And I say to that, good. I'm sorry. There are only a couple ways that I don't say yes to trading for Eric Carlson one of which is trading two first-round picks. I think that's a little ridiculous for someone who is A, 33 years old, even though he's coming off one heck of a season. But he's 33, and there's not too many suitors. Why are you giving up two first-round picks? That makes no sense. And for B, the one I'm getting to now, Marcus Pedersen. You trade Pedersen and you get Carlson, sure, the right side of your defensive group is really good. Let's hang Carlson, Ruda, because I assume Petrie is going out in some capacity, probably to a third team, as I just discussed. But that left side, you're telling me you would want to go into a season with Ryan Graves on your top pairing, P.O. Joseph playing with Eric Carlson, and Ty Smith playing with Jan Ruda? I don't think that's wise at all. Your left side is very vulnerable if that were to happen. And also, Pedersen just had the best season of his career. He ranked in the 81st percentile in five-on-five offense this past season and the 87th percentile in five-on-five defense this past season. That's courtesy of my boy Jay Fresh, Jack, who has great metrics. I love using his stuff. He also ranked in the 97th percentile for penalty killing. He's a great player to have when you're trying to prevent the other team from scoring a man up. 91st percentile for also primary assists per 60 this past year. I can dive into more of the numbers, but I think that paints the picture pretty well. He had the best season of his career 
he cannot be included in that kind of deal. And it's nice seeing Dubas be like, okay, I'm not going to be parting with him. Because again, the Sharks don't have the leverage to be able to actually get Pedersen in a deal. That just, that makes no sense to me. I, I don't understand that at all. Dubas also favors at least top five protection on any first round picks and is open to conditions. That's not surprising at all. I've discussed that on my show as well, that he would probably have to you know, have some lottery protected picks. He's not just going to trade the picks with no protection or conditions or anything like that, just because, you know, what if the season goes really badly or something like that. But those were some of the updates that were in the article that haven't been reported elsewhere. Otherwise, it's par for the course. It's a standoff. No one's really doing anything. We've reached the end of another week. That's just how it is at this time. This is probably going to drag into August. Wouldn't be surprised if this drags into September. Heck, my friends, this honestly might drag into the season. And I'm going to laugh my tail off if Mike Greer does that and he keeps Carlson until the trade deadline and he doesn't get good value for him. I'm going to laugh. It's going to be really funny. But that's the latest on the Eric Carlson situation. Just wanted to give you all a scoop on that. Just dove, diving into Rob's article to discuss some of the things that he reported and just to give my analysis on that. Coming up to end the show, could we see some Olympic hockey back in 2026? And what would that mean for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin? I'll have my answer on that coming up right after this. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first lesson slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So earlier this week, Greg Wazinski of ESPN spoke to Marty Walsh, who is the new NHLPA president taking over for Donald Fear, who honestly, I don't think did a good job at all. And... The two discussed getting back to the Olympics, and Walsh even said as such to Wyszynski, he said, my focus is to try and make that happen. I'm working with Commissioner Gary Bettman together with the IIHF, and hopefully we'll be able to come up with an agreement and move forward. Remember, the league was supposed to go to the Olympics in 2022, but pulled out, you know, I think it was because of COVID reasons. So I, I understand it in that regard, but we haven't had Olympic hockey now in nine years almost nine and a half. The rosters are obviously going to look so different, but we need best on best so freaking badly. Remember, this is probably going to be the final time that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin get to represent their countries. If the NHL does get to go to the Olympics, Malkin, he's never won a gold medal at the Olympics. He's won gold medals outside of the Olympics but he's never won a gold medal at the Olympics. Cindy Crosby obviously has multiple Olympic golds, but this is probably it. At this point in 2026, Crosby's going to be turning 39 that year. Chino's going to be 40 that year. The next Olympics after that aren't going to be until 2030. They'll be into their early 40s and probably retired by then. So this is it. And it's going to make for some electric hockey, whether Canada plays Russia or whoever Canada plays. Honestly, I think these will be some of the best Olympics in terms of best on best in hockey 
that we have seen in a long, long time. Outside of those two on the Penguins, other members that could be on their respective teams include Jake Densel with Team USA. Some people will say he could be an extra. Some people say he doesn't belong on the team. I think that's ridiculous. But Jake Densel belongs in that starting lineup. I I might be biased, and you can throw a lot of projected lineups out there at me, but with Gensel, he's a perennial 35-40 goal scorer. He has the potential to hit 50 this upcoming season. He belongs on that team. Outside of that, you have Marcus Pedersen and Ricard Raquel for Team Sweden. I think both should be on that team. And then maybe Tristan Jari. When you look at Team Canada's roster, obviously it's going to be so freaking stacked heading into those Olympics because the talent they have is unreal. I mean, Sid's probably going to be the number two center. If I had to guess, don't make me heck. Maybe he could slide down a little bit. That's just how deep Canada is forward-wise. Defen- defensively, they'll also be pretty good. I will mention Chris Letang could be on there, but he might be an extra. I don't think he'll be in the top six at that point just because Canada is going to be pretty deep on defense. But in goal, that's where they're pretty weak. And I could see Tristan Jari being on that team if he plays well these next few years. That's where Canada is most vulnerable. You look at their options right now. Carter Hart, Darcy Kemper, Jordan Bennington, Logan Thompson. Not a lot there right now. This this position used to be beautiful for Canada. Not anymore. So I could see Tristan Jari also getting on that team. I also say Crystal Tang as an extra. Said Raquel and Pedersen for Team Sweden. Jake Gensel for Team USA. Malkin for Russia. Crosby for Canada. These games are going to be so much freaking fun. And just from someone who obviously has been born and raised in the United States of America, this is probably going to be the best Team USA that we have seen in my lifetime. You look at the talent that is going to be on this team. Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, Jack Eichel, Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Jacob Slavin. I can go down the list. Jason Robertson, Tage Thompson, Johnny Goudreau, Kyle Connor. Obviously, I just said Jake Ensel. In goal, they can start one of Connor Hellebuck or Jake Ottinger. That is a massive advantage over Canada. Again, I know Canada is going to be so deep. But when you look at Team USA, they can actually play with Canada. I don't think this is just going to be where... You know, Team USA rolls over and dies like you saw in 2014. I'll get to that in just a second. But that that game would be so much fun. From a Russian perspective, they can start any of Ilya Sorokin, Andre Vasilevsky, or Igor Shosturkin. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. That's going to be fun to see. Russia's obviously going to be stacked at forward as well. Defensively, they'll be fine. Team Sweden's going to be really good too. Finland. I've just been waiting for Olympic hockey to come back. And again, I understand why they didn't go in 2022 just because of COVID-related reasons. 2018, though, I'm still mad because Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, they hate Olympic hockey, it feels like, for some reason. It just seems like they don't know how to market the game overseas, and it really makes me upset. The NHL has to send its players in 2026. There's really no excuse this time. And... We haven't seen best on best overall since 2016 when we really had the Hockey World Cup when I saw the best three-on-three overtime of all time. And that's still true to this day, seven years ago. 
Team North America versus Team Sweden, electric hockey back and forth. Nathan McKinnon wins it. Pat goes past Henrik Lundqvist and just has a beautiful forehand, backhand move on him. Capped off one heck of a win for Team North America. That's one of the best games I've ever watched. But Olympic hockey just means so much to me personally. I remember exactly where I was when I you know, sadly saw Sidney Crosby break everyone's hearts in this country, at least when he had the golden goal in 2010. I remember I was a sophomore in high school in 2014 when I went up to my English teacher. I was in 10th grade English when the U.S. was playing Canada. And I told her, I asked her at least, if we finish the work for the day, will you put on the game? And she said, yes. So right towards the end of the day, we were still quite a bit of time left in class. I went up and asked and she said, yeah, we can put it on. And so we did. And not to my own horn, I was definitely the hockey junkie in the class. I was pacing back and forth, probably looking like a complete moron, to be honest. But a couple of people asking me questions about this stuff. And I was just really into it at that time. That's the one of the last memories I have of watching Olympic hockey, just because we haven't seen it in so long. So I can't wait for it to come back. And I really hope it does in 2026 because I want to see Evgeny Malkin try to win his first Olympic gold. I want to see Sid try to have another gold medal or add another gold medal to his ground. I want to see if Team USA can maybe upset Team Canada. The games are going to be so much fun. And it's only going to grow the sport more, not just in the United States, but around the world as well. But That would do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to slash watching this one. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Monday as we'll continue the three episodes a week for the rest of July, all of August, and in September. So again, thank you all so much for listening slash watching. Really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Monday.